Well, go ahead and um, grab a Bible and, and turn to Mark chapter 2. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've, we've been in a series that we've been calling uh, The Lion Roars. And uh, we are going through the Gospel of Mark. And one of the things I think that you've noticed uh, in these early chapters of Mark is the conflict between the Pharisees and Jesus. And so it has been slowly escalating and it really escalates to a point today. And so we're going to see another one of those conflicts that, uh, that really arose between Jesus and the Pharisees. And this one really has to do with, with the Sabbath day. And so let me kind of just set it up this way. As an expression of God's goodness to us, God has provided for us a, a, rev, a regular rhythm of rest. And that regular rhythm of rest is called the Sabbath. And there's an amazing amount of coverage in the scripture about this from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I mean, you see the invitation of Jesus. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. And, and, then, and then you see in the book of Exodus where God is calling his people out of Egypt. He's setting his people free from bondage in Egypt. And he's leading them to the promised land, a land described as a land of rest. And then we also know from the book of Revelation that God is, God is moving human history and human time towards a climax of his second coming and his reign in the new heaven and new earth. And, and our, our eternity, our lives will be lived uh, in the new heaven and new earth. And that will be a place where we will rest from all of, our, all of our labors. And so what you see is that God loves us so much. He cares for us so much. He's so good to us that he provides for us rest because he knows, he knows how much we need it. Now, he also knows, as Americans, we really struggle with this area of rest. And I think part of the problem is many of us feel like our, our value and worth as people is really based on our activity and our accomplishments. And so, and so when you ask somebody how you're doing and you know, typically somebody, most of us respond by saying, oh, I'm just, I'm just so busy. You know, I've just got, got so many things going on. You would never say, you know, I'm doing really well. I just don't have that much going on right now. You know, I'm just not much to do, you know. And so we would kind of look, look at them like, like they're crazy. But maybe we're the ones who are kind of crazy uh, in that way. And I think, I think what's happened is because we see our value connected really to our activity and our accomplishment, it is. It has really had a negative impact on us. We've, we live our lives kind of in hurry and scurry and and uh, in restlessness and exhaustion. And I think part of that is because in our culture today we've elevated work. Um, maybe maybe more specifically, we've elevated workaholism uh, to a whole level of virtue in our society today. So just consider. I want you to just consider some of the the following trends that really push us towards workaholism, and then subsequently restlessness and exhaustion. Think about the job insecurity that is, you know, the reality in our world today. I mean, it used to be several decades ago that, that if you had a good job coming out of college or coming out of high school, you had a really good job, then your expectation was you would be in that job your entire life. And that's, that, was, that was kind of the norm for most of us uh, a few decades ago. But now... Uh, now, really, you're going to be blessed if you're going to be in the same job for two years. And you're really kind of working as hard as you can through the year just so that they'll bring you on next year. And so, so, so many companies just downsize and, uh, 
and, and really move you on before you even know what's, what's hit you. And so, so there's job insecurity. Then there's, then there's this pay disparity. And the pay disparity is from several decades ago, you know, the average CEO was making about 10 times what the lowest uh, person was making in, in, in a certain company. And so, but now that CEO is on average making two to 300 times what the, the lowest person on the totem pole in that, in that company is. And so, so a lot of us, because the economy is so challenging, we feel like we've got to work a couple of different jobs uh, just to make ends meet. So that's a challenge. Then the other trend that we're seeing today is obviously technology. And technology arrived on the scene, especially with the iPhone, just, just a few years ago, not even that long ago. But the promise was this new technology would make our lives easier. We'd be able to rest We'd be able to have more recreation. And so with an iPhone and an Apple Watch and a laptop, we would be able to get more done in a shorter amount of time. But what's happened is now we've blurred work and home. We've really, in most cases, bring our, our work home with us. And so now that line is blurred. And so we, so we can't really take that time to rest because we're always connected. And we have this expectation placed upon us that we've got to respond to emails and texts and and phone calls even, even when we're off. So that's a challenge. And then think about the family vacation. You know, especially if you have young kids, you go on vacation, about halfway through, you're starting to think, I need a vacation from the vacation, you know, uh, because it, is, it can be absolutely exhausting. And then just family life in and of itself here in central Indiana. I mean, think about it. We've got to get the kids to tennis lessons and t-ball and tutoring and then trombone lessons. You know, we got to, we got to do all of that stuff. That can be exhausting. And then, and then another trend is just how we eat today. You know, when you think about McDonald's, the promise of McDonald's, McDonald's was founded not on the idea that they were going to give us great food. That was not why they were founded. They, they, they weren't founded on the whole premise that they would give us, um, you know, cheap food that was not the premise for why mcdonald's was started the whole premise for why mcdonald's was started is so that they would give us fast food right and uh, so so we could you know have you know go in there and go inside the restaurant and eat really fast and and then we got so busy we couldn't even go into the restaurant anymore you guys tracking with me so then they put drive-through windows in so they could literally throw the food out the window and, um, and it would land in, in your minivan where you could eat it as God originally intended. So, um, so that's just, I mean, that is kind of America right there. That is our American life. And, and I think we, we're, so, we're so acclimated to this that if we're not careful, we're never resting. And, and we're restless as a result of never resting. And so I think what God would love for us and what he reveals to us in scripture is really beautifully put by the theologian Augustine. He, Augustine said it like this, you, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in you. That we are, there's a pervading sense of restlessness until our hearts rest in Jesus. That's what Augustine understood. And he didn't even live in American culture, but, but that is very much uh, American culture today. And I would say it's American Christian culture today to be exhausted, to be weary, to be tired, and, and to be restless. And I think part of the problem is we look at, we, we look at Sabbath as kind of a take it or leave it kind of proposition. I think we, we look at it as, well, I kind of do it if I want to, but I don't you know, really have to or 
you know, most weeks I don't even want to. But, um, and so we just kind of see it as an optional thing in Scripture that's not really that big of a deal. But the truth is it is a big deal. In fact, what we see in the you know, first couple of chapters in Genesis is that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and then he rested on the seventh day. Now, he doesn't rest because he's tired. God doesn't get tired. But he's resting to model to us what he has in mind for us. And, and then he puts it in the, in the Ten Commandments. And so uh, he puts this command to Sabbath rest in his top ten list. In fact, it makes his top five. That's just how important it is. And then you have an entire story of God, God calling his people, the people of Israel, God calling them out of Egypt. They were enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years. They never got a day of rest from the slavery that they endured. Never got a day of rest. And God rescued them. And God led them out. And God incorporated into them and instituted for their community, for, for the community of faith, that they would have a day off every week so that they could rest. And it was really God's way of saying, I'm not one of those harsh taskmasters. I'm not trying to burden you down. I'm not trying to weigh you down with more rules and regulations. I love you. I care about you. I saved you because you were mine. And I, and I love you. And so he, he's not trying to, you know, get us to work so that he can get something from us. He wants to give us what is, what is best for us. And so that's part of why the Sabbath is given to us. And so the Sabbath is really important. And so this whole conflict that we're going to read about in just a moment is really a conflict about the Sabbath. And we're going to get an interesting perspective from Jesus, from, from, the, from the mouth of Jesus himself. So we're going to read um, Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through chapter 3, verse 6. And so uh, I'm going to ask you, if you're willing and able, would you please stand as we read the word of God uh, together today. And so Mark records this. He says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as, he made, as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry? He and those who were with him and how they entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any, but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but not the word of God. It stands forever. You may be seated. 
So what you have is you have these two separate incidents. And they're separate, but they're really very much connected. The end of two and the beginning of chapter three. The first incident, you see the Pharisees really just confuse the Sabbath. And then the second incident, you see the Pharisees refuse the Sabbath. And I think, church, we do the exact same thing. And so that's exactly what I want to kind of lay out for us this morning, right from, right from the passage, how we confuse the Sabbath. And then I want to talk about how we refuse the Sabbath. And then I want to talk about how Jesus is our Sabbath. So let's look at the first one. We, we confuse the Sabbath. The Pharisees here completely misunderstand and confuse the Sabbath. So Jesus and the disciples were walking through some grain fields and immediately the disciples start plucking heads, heads of grain. And so the, the Pharisees observe all of this. And, uh, and so they ask Jesus, why, why are you allowing them to do this on, on the Sabbath? I mean, you, you're a man of God. You know how important the Sabbath really is. Why are you allowing them to work on the Sabbath? Now, what you have to understand is the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, they took the Ten Commandments and they turned those Ten Commandments into 630 commandments. So they, so they literally took the command to Sabbath and they turned it into 39 commandments. So they applied that commandment in 39 ways and they made those applications commandments. Like, for example, one of the ways is, you know, what it even actually says in the tradition of the Pharisees that, that if your neighbor's mule or ox got stuck in a ravine and was hurt on the Sabbath, then you are not allowed to help that animal out of the ravine and help your neighbor uh, because that would be considered working on the Sabbath. So never mind the animal might die. Never mind that your neighbor may be out significantly financially. We just don't want you to work on the Sabbath. And, and so, so that was kind of the mindset here. And so part of those 39 rules and regulations that they had made was you couldn't pluck heads of grain on the Sabbath. So Jesus is Jesus is walking through, the disciples are doing this, the Pharisees ask him about this, and Jesus responds by giving them a story from 1 Samuel chapter 21. And I won't give you the entire story, but the gist of it is this, David is on the run from King Saul. Saul is trying to kill David because Saul is jealous of David. And so David has a, man, a, a band of merry men with him, and they're on the run, and they're hungry, and they're desperate. And so they go up to the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the portable temple. The temple had not been built. And a part of the temple ritual was using what they called the showbread or the bread of the presence. And so there was actual bread that they used during the rituals. And so they went to the priest and the priest gave it to David and his men to eat. And so, and so he tells them this story. And you're like, well, why is he, what, what's the point of that story? The point of the story is this, that David is drawing on, on, Jesus is drawing a story about David who's a messianic figure. And then, and David, some, David does something that's forbidden on the Sabbath. And God does not condemn him for that. So Jesus draws on that story, he points them to that story because Jesus is a messianic figure as an understatement to say the least, he's the Messiah and, and he breaks the tradition of the elders and what Jesus is saying is he's not broken the command of God. He's broken the tradition of men but he's not broken, he's not broken the command of God. That's the point that Jesus is trying to make here. And so the Pharisees, what they've done is they've taken their tradition, their religious tradition, 
and they've elevated over their relationship with God. Their religious tradition was so important, it was more important to them than their relationship with God. It was like they worshiped their obedience to God more than, than God himself. And so what Jesus is really trying to communicate here is this, your tradition is so strict, it's so narrow uh, that it's, it's not even realistic. It's, it's disconnected from the, the original purpose of why God had commanded us to Sabbath in the first place. It, it really, what the Pharisees were doing was exceeding the intention of God using, you know, this command for our blessing and really for our benefit. And so it's like Jesus is saying, you guys are so focused on the trees, you can't even see the forest. You've really just missed the point. You've confused it all together. And what Jesus does is he gives a couple of statements that kind of help us to see what the Sabbath is all about. I think these, these statements are very instructive for us. He, he says it like this in verse 27. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for, na for man, not, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees had flipped it. And so the law was given for our benefit and for our blessing. The Sabbath was given for our benefit and for our blessing. We were not made simply for the law. For the command to Sabbath. The command to Sabbath was made for us. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And so it's like he's saying, you know, God is not some tyrannical God. He says, I'm going to weigh you down. I'm going to burden you. I'm going to make you work. I'm going to make you sweat. I'm going to make your life miserable. You're going to follow these rules. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is completely, some, you know, completely different than that. The heart of God is you can rest in my love. You can rest in my care. That's what Jesus is saying. Then the second statement, verse 28, he says, so the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so what Jesus is talking about there is the Sabbath finds its full meaning, its full purpose, you know, its, its full value in Jesus. That's where, that's where the Sabbath really is. That, uh, that Jesus is the one who gives us true rest. And the Sabbath is just a way that that rest is facilitated. And so we can't have rest outside of Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Now let me show you more specifically on this. This is from, this is from Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Where Jesus says this, he says, come to me all of you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so what Jesus is talking about by, you know, take my yoke upon you, take my teaching upon you, take my perspective upon you and let it, let it fill your life. And what will happen is your life will find rest. You will find true rest. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is, is light. And we'll talk a little bit about why the yoke is easy and the burden is light a little bit later. But, but, but Jesus is the source of all of our rest. Now, I, I think as we kind of think about this for us, I, I think we often confuse the Sabbath 
And I think we confuse it because we think, well, um, I'm going to observe the Sabbath today. I'm going to take a day off. And we just think that Sabbath is just kind of ceasing from work, you know, ceasing from activity. And, uh, you know, like Sabbath is really just kind of doing nothing all day long. And so you think, I'm going to get my comfy pants on, I'm going to lounge on the couch, I'm going to eat bonbons all day, and uh, that's, going to be, that's going to be my Sabbath. And what we miss is we miss the Lord of the Sabbath. Because that's not really what Sabbath is. That we don't, we don't really take time to enter into God's presence. That we don't take time to, to really hear from God in His Word. That it's not just ceasing from activity. But it's, but it's putting ourselves in a position to receive from God, to receive from Jesus, to hear from Jesus, and to, and to place our lives in front of him so that we can be restored, so that we can experience refreshment. And as a result, we live restless lives. And so that's, that's the confusion, I think, in the American church today is we think, oh, I'm just going to take a day off. I'm going to have my Sabbath day, and then I'm just going to cease from everything. And uh, we don't realize we're really ceasing from Jesus, all right? So that's, so that's the first one. We, we often confuse the Sabbath, but secondly, what we see here is we often refuse the Sabbath. We just say no to it, and that's exactly what the, the Pharisees are doing here. They refuse and they, they reject uh, the Sabbath outright. So, so now the picture is Jesus is in the synagogue. There's a large group of people in the synagogue, and there's a man who has a withered hand. Now, you can only imagine how that withered hand limited that man's life. I mean, it was, had to be exceedingly frustrated, frustrating to him because it impacted him providing for himself and for his family because he only had one hand. And so this is exceedingly frustrating for him. And I think Jesus is moved with compassion for him. But the Pharisees, not so much. Let me, let me show you the, the attitude of the Pharisees. Look at Look at Mark 3, verse 2. It says this, And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. So they're asking him a question in the first incident, but there are no questions here. There's no dialogue here. They're not, they, don't want to, they don't want to hear the word of God here. They don't want to hear what Jesus has to say on this here. They just want to find a reason to accuse him. They're not even, they're so hard-hearted, they're calloused about the man who's struggling with this disability. They don't even care about him. They just want to accuse Jesus. Now, maybe, maybe you've been there, you know what I mean? Maybe you've been in that very same situation where you've heard what Jesus had to say about a particular topic, and you're like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. I'm going to live however I want to live. I don't care what Jesus says. And that's the hardness of the heart that we see in the Pharisees and in, in where they are. And Jesus knows this. He knows exactly where they're coming from and, and uh, what they're thinking. So look at how Jesus responds. You see this in verse 4. And he, and he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? Now I think it's, I think, I think it's kind of a, a little bit of sarcasm here because I, I think, I think what, what Jesus is trying to say is, is this. You, you think God would be okay if we blessed someone else? 
You think God would be okay with that if we loved someone else? If we worked for another's redemption or another's, you know, restoration? Do you think God would be okay with something good on the Sabbath? Of course he would. In fact, another way of saying it, one, one commentator kind of said it like this, failure to do good on the Sabbath would be contributing to evil. So it is always right. It is always God-honoring to do good on the Sabbath. It's always. It's not even a question. But Jesus has to raise it because the Pharisees' hearts are so hard. Notice the second question he asks. And he makes, this is really getting personal. He's asking the question here, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Now, who is he referring to at that point? Now he's referring to himself because he knows what they're thinking about. He knows they want to, they want to destroy him, as the scripture says. And uh, so they're so consumed with keeping their tradition that they're already breaking the law and contemplating murder. See that? That's how hard they are. And that's what Jesus is alluding to in this situation. And then notice their response. You see, Jesus, you know, Jesus kind of just reveals this um, through Mark, but Mark says it like this, but they were silent. They didn't say anything. They were just silent. And, it, and then he goes on to say, and he looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. That word anger in Greek, it, it literally means in that context, epic anger, like the highest level anger. And he's, he's angry, but he's sorrowful, Jesus is, because they, their hearts are just so blind, uh, so filled with pride and, and just self-righteousness and sinnerness that they, they can't even see the goodness of God. They can't even see God's provision of, of goodness for them. And uh, it's just really, really, really sad that they, they can't even rejoice in the good things that, that God has provided for them. Now notice, notice verse 5. Notice what Jesus does. Um, and he said to the man in verse 5, stretch out your hand and he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored now i don't think this is by an accident i think i think uh, jesus is moved with compassion to heal this man but i think i think the impact of this is is really jesus bring restoration bringing healing bringing renewal and that's exactly what the sabbath does for us that when we Sabbath and we find rest in Jesus, it does something in us. It does something for us. That it renews us. It invigorates us. It ins inspires us with, with, a, with a godly inspiration. And so what you see is the Sabbath is really for your blessing. It is, it is really for your benefit. And I think, I think just as the Pharisees, many of us refuse the Sabbath. And we refuse it because we'll say things like, well, you know, I'm just so busy. I've got so many things going on, you know, that I, I can't, I, I can't just, I can't rest. I can't do that because, you know, I got this to do and I got the kids and I got the job and I got this and that and all of these things. And I'm sure God understands, you know, because I'm so important. I got all these things going on and, and I, I just can't stop and slow down. And I think that's the American way. I think that's the American church today is we often refuse 
the Sabbath. And, and what happens is we, we get into a groove of this. We, we get into days of this or weeks of this or months of this. And then we're living at such a high RPM that we don't even realize that we're spiritually and relationally skimming the surface in our relationship with God and in our relationship with other people. And what I think further happens is we, we often just slip into self-salvation where we're trying to save ourselves and we're chasing the latest thing, you know, pleasure or power or some position or some possession. And we think if I can just get that, then I'll find soul rest. I'm just gonna work just to get that and then I promise God I'll start resting. And there's just nothing there just exhaustion and I, I can only say this because I've done it that's how I know it because I speak from my own sin and my own failure from this it's incredibly easy as a pastor to just work and uh, because ministry is never done and uh, there's always something else to do. There's always an, another need that needs to be met. There's always another sermon to prepare, another lesson to teach or whatever. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, you can get so, you can get so trapped into pleasing people because you think if I can just do this and that person will be happy, if I can just do that, that person will be happy. And then, and then pretty soon you're living to please people and you're no longer pleasing God. And uh, I have failed at that so many times, church. So I... I don't speak as somebody who's mastered this uh, by any stretch. What I've noticed in my own life is I start skimming. And because I'm not connecting to the Savior, I, I have nothing to give. And I'm anxious, or I'm stressed, or I'm angry, or I'm impatient with the kids, or I'm focused on myself, or I won't let go of a hurt. And you know why? Because I'm... I'm not connecting and finding rest in the Savior. And so that's why God gives us Sabbath. He knows we need some time to unplug. He knows we need some time to gear down and then connect with the bread of heaven, uh, the bread of life. So, so that's, that's how we confuse and refuse the Sabbath. So what does it practically look like to do Sabbath, how, how, do you, how do you do this? What does that look like in our, in our American society? Well, I think, I think first and foremost, I think it's just really recognizing that Jesus is our Sabbath. So I think that's, that's, that's the beginning place. Let me kind of explain what I mean. Sabbath is really where you cease from working so that you can enjoy creation and the creator. That's what Sabbath is. It's where you cease from work so that you can enjoy creation and you can enjoy the creator, all right? So let's, uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about enjoying creation. Now, let me, let me just say this parenthetically. It doesn't have to be on Sunday. Many of you work on Sunday. It doesn't have to be Saturday. Many of you work on Saturday. It could be Friday. It could be Monday. It could be any day of the week. But it's just really a time where you, you back out of work and you you take some time to enjoy creation and the creator. So let's talk about the creation. Um, here's, here's a kind of a practical way to think about it. You know, when you think about Sabbath, you want to think about the difference between things that fill you up and the things that drain you down. 
And so what you want is you want to fill your Sabbath with things that fill you up. Things that fill you up are things that energize you, that refresh you, that renew you. Things that drain you down are things that make you, you know, kind of lethargic or have less energy. All right, so, so you need to think in those two categories. Things that fill me up, things that drain me down. Now, there is a difference between things that fill you up and things that are fun. There is a difference there sometimes. Like, for example... I'm a big fan of The Office. I love, I, the, the Office just cracks me up. I just love, I've seen it a thousand times, I think. And uh, I love watching reruns of The Office. And so, but here's the thing about it. It's fun for me, but it's not filling for me. Like it doesn't renew me. It doesn't energize me after I've watched a couple of episodes. It doesn't, you know, just fill me with energy. It's fun. It makes me laugh, but it doesn't fill me up and so and so there's some fun things that I do but but afterwards I'm not really I'm not really uh you know filled up and so watching the office is one now there's some other things that you know maybe maybe are not quite as fun if you will but afterward man I'm just filled up like I I really enjoy working out this is how I enjoy creation so I I do CrossFit you guys have heard me talk about this in the past and I love CrossFit but I I'm never in the mood to do it like I never in the, I look at the workout, I'm like, I don't want to do this. This is like climbing a hill. This is, you know, I'm just looking at it. I don't really want to do this. But then you get moving and then you get sweating and then you start praying, you know, and uh, praying that you don't die. And then you start dying and then it's over, you know. And, and, uh, and then at that point, I'm like, wow, that was really fun. You know, I really filled up. I'm really filled up because of that. I'm energized because of that. I'm renewed in that. I'm refreshed in that. And so that's, that's one example for me. Like on my Sabbath, I'm probably going to do, you know, I'm probably going to go to the gym or something. So, so, but for you, it's something entirely different. It may be knitting. It may be reading. It may be water skiing. It may be snow skiing. You know, uh, it may be snow skiing during the summertime. I, I don't know what it is, but, but it's something where you're enjoying creation and it, and it just fills you up. It just energizes you. Whatever that is, you need to do that on your Sabbath. That needs to be a part of your Sabbath. So it could be hiking, walking in nature. It could be being alone. It could be being with a group of people, uh, any number of those things. God's creation, listen to this church, God's creation is meant to be enjoyed. And we need regular rhythms where we enjoy God's creation because it's a gift. Now, the other part of that is we enjoy time with the creator. And while there's a lot of variation in how we enjoy the creation, there's not as much variation when it comes to enjoying the creator. And a part of your Sabbath, listen to this church, a part of your Sabbath needs to be worshiping Jesus, being in his presence. This is where you take some extended time. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, joining a monastery for a day. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about some extended time that you are in his word so that you can connect with your Savior and hear from him, where he can speak to you. And he speaks to us through his word. You also need time in his presence where you're praying, where you're sharing what's worrying you, where you're praying for your kids. You know, you're praying about your job. You're praying about everything. And you present those before God, trusting his sovereignty over your life. And so you just need, 
you, you don't need to do this all day, but you just need some unhurried, extended time so that you can connect. And so that that life from the Savior can come to you. It might even also mean, you know, reading, spending a little bit of time reading Christian books or uh, biographies. Or if you're not a reader, most guys don't like to really read that much. You know, listen to a podcast that, you know, brings you the word of God, that inspires you uh, in that way. I promise you, church, if you'll do this, if you'll make this a part of your week, you're going to get more done in six days than you ever will working seven straight days. And the reason why is because you're going to be sharp. You're going to be strong. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be strengthened. You're going to be at peace. And that's going to affect how you work every day. And so, and so here's the thing about when we Sabbath. Is this, that when we Sabbath, we really display the gospel. We reveal the gospel when we practice Sabbath. Because, because think about it. Think about when you're, sab when you're practicing Sabbath, you're demonstrating faith. You're ceasing from work. And what you're saying is, God, I'm not going to work, but I'm going to trust you to work while I'm resting. And that takes faith. You do it when you sleep. I mean, when you go to sleep, you're basically saying, God, I'm trusting you to work while I'm sleeping and resting. And so Sabbath is just doing that for, for one day. So it's a, demonstrating, a demonstration of faith. Here's the thing. You know, we display the gospel when we Sabbath because, because we're realizing that our work that we actually do, it's not for God's acceptance. We don't work for God's acceptance. We work from God's acceptance. That's, that's amazing when you think about it. We don't work for God's approval. We work from God's approval. Let me say it like this. God doesn't just love you. He does love you. But he likes you. He really does. And he has so much joy and delight when you are communing with him. And so he delights in you. He delights in me. He knows our struggles. He knows our failures. He knows our sins. But his love for us never changes. And the amazing thing is that he actually likes us. So we actually, when we Sabbath, we're benefiting from someone else's work. The work of Jesus. That he lived the life we were supposed to live and he died the death we were supposed to die. So we benefit from, from his work. And, and uh, you know, Hebrews 4.9 kind of says it like this. He says, uh, the writer of Hebrew does, so then there remains a Sabbath, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. From his. And so what he's really just talking about there is that when you enter into the grace of God, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're entering into that rest. And, uh, and that rest is so real and tangible. So, so I just want to ask you today, church, I want you to be thinking about your week and thinking about, okay, 
am I, am I resting? Am I connecting with my Savior? Am I connecting with my Lord so that I can be renewed and refreshed and strengthened for the week? Now, um, I want to ask you just to kind of bow your heads and close your eyes because I just want to close this in prayer. And, and um, I want to give an invitation too as well. You know, there's, there's some of us here that we've, we've never entered into God's rest because we've never received Jesus as our rest. We've never received him as our Lord and Savior. And I want to give you an invitation to do that. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want to just lead you in a prayer. And, and I want to just tell you, this is how you can become a Christian today. Jesus died for your sins. He died so that you could know his rest and peace. He died so that you could know him. And if you would like to take that step today and commit your life to Christ, would you just pray this prayer just silently to yourself? Just repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I invite your rest into my heart that I no longer have to work for my salvation because you, you worked it for me. And I receive your grace and your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. And I receive the gift of salvation. God, would you put my heart at rest today that I would have the assurance, just like, just like we... we we sang about a little bit earlier that you're my Savior. So Lord, put your spirit in me that I may trust in you with my past, my present, and my future. And so God, I just thank you for every person who's prayed that prayer today. Lord, may your spirit confirm every heart that's called out to you today. Your word says, if we will call to you, you will save us. Maybe today, you're already a Christian, but you've drifted from that Sabbath rest. I want to lead you in a prayer of just recommitment today. Just, just to remind you that Jesus worked for you, now you can rest. Now, in his rest, you're free to work. And so would you just kind of silently pray this prayer as I lead you, uh, just a prayer of recommitment. God, would you, would you help us? Would you help me to slow down, to unplug, and enjoy your creation and enjoy you as my creator? God, would you help me to protect that time to be wise with that time, to help facilitate that time for a spouse or family member, but also to facilitate it for me as well so that we would know you as our rest. So God, thank you that this is not a burden. Thank you it's not another thing we gotta do, but we thank you it's a gift and it's good. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen and amen.